Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Well, it's Script Shop time. It's a podcast that's not at all unlike a magical rainbow waterfall. Some people have compared the show to that. Hi, my name is Jack. Hi, I'm Allison. And I would like to take a ride down a magic rainbow waterfall. And you can just hear like a chime that would just <laughs> ring. And that's how when you know A, to turn the page and B, that you're listening to Script Shop. Welcome to Script Shop, everybody, the podcast where we talk to screenwriters about what they've written and why they've written them and why they're the only person in the history of all magical chiming waterfalls, rainbow, rainbow waterfalls that could have possibly been the person to put these words down on the page. That's exactly right. And we do this every week and we're happy to have you back with us again. Our guest for this week's show is Megan Bickle, who has written a script that we've read a few times over yeah. at this point. yeah. Um, it's The Shared Curse. It's a 95-page, quick-paced action feature with female friendship tones. Female everything tones. Yeah. Well, it's got a lead. I mean, it is all. The huh. the, the yeah, lead character's least. a woman. The villain's a woman. Yeah. There, there, there's a, it's, it's a lot of main female. Uh, I don't like the word female. I like to, I'd rather say women. <laughs> you can say them both. The word female sounds too clinical to me, and that's a whole other thing. I don't I don't like male or female. I just I like guys or women or men. Or, okay. Okay. You can have your preferences. It's just me. Yeah. Well, you're you, and that's totally fine. You're the only person in all of time that may have possibly have felt the had way this you have these. Had this weird, <laughs> undescribable reason for liking certain words over others. So the reason that we've read this script a few times is because Megan was great enough to send it to us for yeah. this independent film festival, right? which we are coming off of uh, from just a few weeks ago. Honestly, I still think I'm recovering. Well, of course, we all are. Yeah, we're all we're good. S- clutching our pillows at night, wondering why we're not having to wake up super early after having stayed out super late and had a blast. Oh, that was so much fun! It was great, and not and so it's important to point out. Not only did Megan send us her script, but Megan was a pretty big winner for the whole thing. Yeah, Megan, she won our screenplay. Uh, feature award. Mm -hmm. She also was awarded our development grant, which five people were awarded $500 to aid in future endeavors for film. And for screenwriters, that could be writing their next project or helping get them hooked up with... I mean, honestly, it's very wide open right now. We're still developing a lot of the ideas, so it's great for her in this first year to be able to bring ideas to us about what she needs as a writer and for us to help her with those things. Because um, in this script, we get to talk about this fast-paced action with heart feature and it it's really just a stunning piece of work we were starting we were talking before we started recording and one of the things that i think we both agreed on was the fact that this script is extremely economical but it doesn't come at the expense of character right this thing moves things happen right from the get-go yeah. but at no point do you feel like oh well who's this guy like you understand or girl or whatever like you know who everybody is within seconds of them showing up in the script right and it's not even like and now we're just going on about this script, which we we're going to do anyway for yeah, the whole yeah. episode. But it's not even like a very normal topic. It's about like an archaeology and, and ancient tombs and all kinds of cool stuff, which and is magic just exciting. And, yep. I love it. 
Okay, so if you are interested in having us be like super obsessed with your script and talk to you about all the things that we love about it, then mm-hmm. you should send in your script, which you can do at filmfreeway.com by looking up Script Shop, or you can go to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And actually, Megan, uh, I think she sort of, we knew that we, we were going to want her on the show anyway, because right. she submitted to the film festival, so it was kind of a done deal. But after she did submit this to us officially show-wise, yeah. she also did include a reference to... Hashtag hot burrito. Hot burritos, which, which is our the, the phrase That's that pays. That's our thing. <laughs> you know, you bring us a bag of hot burritos and we'll read all the scripts you got. That's it, all we're saying. Or if you want to even keep it more simple than that, when you do submit your script, if you want to tweet at us or send us a message on Facebook and have some sort of passing reference to hot burritos... <laughs> It'll move you to the front of the line is what we're trying to say. Where's your favorite place to get a hot burrito from? I don't like the implication there, other than it could be something. I feel like that's... Don't make it dirty. Let's ask the real question. Like, where do you get your... Well, there's a, you know, there's a place here in Cincinnati called Hot Head Burritos, but the one that was kind of close to me on, oh, my, on Madison man. Road shut down. I know. So I guess, I mean, I, well, there's a place that's right out front here of... So uh, thank you to iHeart... Media Cincinnati, yes, thank you. Uh, who supplies us with our facilities and the equipment to record the show. The the neighborhood in Cincinnati that we're in, where we record this show at, there's a building kind of out front that has a couple restaurants in it, mm-hmm. and one of them is a restaurant called Corrido Burrito, which, mm-hmm. because it is so close and because the food is so good, I do eat there on a okay. regular basis, okay, okay. up to and including just this past Friday. Well, good for you. I got a steak burrito bowl. Uh, and I had two different kinds of salsa and white rice, and I had some green <laughs> onions put on it and cheese, no sour cream, because mm-hmm. I also did a side of chips and guacamole because it was a Friday, and Jack wanted to oh, eat himself some food. Friday, Jack needed them chips and guacamole. It needed to happen. So, Corrito Burrito, I okay. suppose, would be my go-to. Mine is in Texas. It's called Taco Delight, and it was it's the poor person's Taco Bell. And when we were little, I would go there and just get bean burritos mm-hmm. nonstop. And there's, like, nothing better than a Taco Delight cheap-ass beans and, mm-hmm. like, sad cheddar cheese burrito. I don't it's know amazing. what... I, I'm, a, I'm terrified to even ask what sad cheddar cheese is versus regular it's, cheddar cheese. It's very cheese. oily, and it's very good, weirdly, in this situation. That's my favorite hot burrito. Next time you come to Texas, which may be the first time you've been to Texas, mm. we're eating there. The, the important thing to take away here is if you have a script that you've written and you're like, boy, I sure would like them to read that, but geez, I know they have a whole bunch of stuff backlogged that they need to go yeah, through. because like we, we have a, over 2,500 scripts. We've had a ton of people send us their stuff, and if you want like to get a leg up on the pile, even if you've already submitted, you could do it again and tag us, again, on Twitter, on Facebook, however you want to find us by searching Script Shop Show, and if you include the reference to Hot Burrito, that will move you to the front of the Line. And that brings up a really good point, though, which is that we are on Facebook, yeah. Instagram, and Twitter. So if you love what we're talking about here and you want to continue the conversation, a lot of times you can find us or even the artists we talk about on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Script Shop Show for the most part, or I am your bestie Westy, and Jack is. I'm Script Shop Jack. That's on, on Twitter only for me. Allison's on kind of everything. I'm, I'm a little more exclusive. Because I don't have that kind of time. No, it's not. It's not a. It's not a holier than thou kind of thing. It's just that I'm lazy, really. If anything, we know. I don't want to deal. Okay. I don't want to deal with in, uh, all also, the different. You're smart. Well, it, it, it's all horrible, but um, always leave us a review if you can. We love positive reviews of our show because it gets us more exposure. Always leave us a review if you can, if you're feeling nice toward us. And if you have mean things to say, just email them to us directly because we want to hear them too. We just don't want everybody else to hear them. That's correct. Um, and also, if you love what you're hearing, you can go to Patreon.com. Oh, yeah. Um, I always ask my dad for money for the show, on the show a lot of times. Dad, go to Patreon, send us some money. You so, can... 
It's funny. I think it's funny. You've to been be making 30. some very public overtures to your father <laughs> to send us money. I think it's so funny to do that. <laughs> okay, like right. he listens to the show, kind of. Mm-hmm. He says we have good banter, which makes me like stupid proud mm-hmm. to Agreed. Be, be here doing this. But uh, I think it's hilarious for a 30-year-old person to be like, Dad, send me money for my podcast. Well, it's great because usually that sort of request comes like when you're in your early 20s and you're on the phone privately, not like recording a show show for several hundred whoever. That's why it's hilarious. Yeah. And I don't ask him for money for anything else. Perfect. But I don't either. He should probably double it up because I don't do it either. (laughs) Frank, he doesn't ask for money. Triple it up, Dad. Send us thirty bucks, right, Frank? You want to get on in, get in on this? Sure, send us money. Have him. <laughs> Pack your bags, Dad. We're going on a guilt trip. Where's the checkbook? Anyway, uh, we should probably get to Megan, right? Megan, we've gone, Megan. We've gone way over the time that we told her that she'd be standing by on Megan Bickle. Hello, are you there? I am here. Hello, you guys. Hey, Megan. Megan, thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Um, thrilled to be here. We're happy to have you. So, Megan, let's just ask one question right up front, which is, mm. what are you reading lately? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, lately I've been reading the Iron Druid series by Kevin Hearn. Um, it is a fantastic series about that has all kinds of Irish mythology, and then it mm. brings in all these other mythologies as well, the Norse gods and the Olympians and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's oh, fantastic. Wow. That's a, yeah, it brings in all sorts of different cultures and sort of blends it all into one story. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Are you Irish or um, Norwegian? Yeah. She's quite Irish. <laughs> You're quite Irish. In which ways are you quite Irish? Um, I come from an Irish Catholic family and I married into an Irish Catholic family. And, uh, you know, we're just, we got, we eat corned beef and cabbage on New Year's Eve and yeah. St. Patrick's Day. And- there you go. <laughs> ah, Megan Bickle, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, Scottish. My people are the ones that gave up and started wearing dresses. The Irish kept fighting. <laughs> that's a horrible thing to say. And if you're a Scottish person listening and that offends you, I'm really sorry, but that's a decent You're going to walk out of the studio and get beat up tonight. I'm Probably, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I, I uh, Megan, where are you calling us from? I am calling from Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah. Cool. Is that where you were born? It is. Ooh. I've lived in Indiana almost all my life. I went to school in um, Dayton, Ohio. But other than that, I've been in Indiana. I'm a Hoosier through and through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Midwest gal. Indiana has a really great film festival called the Indie Film Fest, which is in the Indianapolis Museum of Art and is classy. Mm. It is very classy. Have you attended that yeah. before, Megan? Um, I have not. I have been working with – I also go to the – well, I do go to the Heartland Film Festival, yeah. which is another big film festival here in town. So I've got a good community here in town. That's awesome. So you went to school here in Dayton, Ohio – it, it was, what was your major? What was it you were looking to get into when you were 18, 19, starting college? Um, I was, I actually went to school as a religious studies major oh, um, at the wow. University of Dayton. It's a Catholic school. Um, and then I uh, added a theater major on top of it. So I was a religious studies and theater major. Well, there's a lot of pageantry um, in both. I get that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was just kind of going for what I love and what my interests were. And, um, you know, so that, parlayed nicely into my current career of uh, insurance. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tale as old as time. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Someone's going to school for religious reasons, they add on a theater minor, and then they end up in a job in insurance. Tale as old as time. Exactly. That's perfect. That's really fun, though. So when did you really start screenwriting or writing in general then? 
Um, screenwriting didn't come until probably about four years ago. Um, I was in theater in high school and college, and I really loved performing. I was on the acting side of things. That was what I loved to do. Uh, but once I started having kids and a real job and all these things started piling up, rehearsal schedules don't really jive quite as well as you'd like them to sometimes. Yeah. So um, I needed to find some other creative outlet. Um, creativity and creation of all those things has always been a huge part of my life. And um, I needed to find some way to get that out. And uh, writing was the easiest thing to kind of fit into the rest of my life mm -hmm. um, to be able to grab a notebook and head to a kid's soccer practice or, you oh, know, that's so sweet. right in the yeah. car as I'm waiting for picking somebody up or whatever. So that's, that was how I, I landed on screenwriting. Have you always been imaginative like that? Yeah, very much so. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really love, from the time I was very little, I can remember telling myself stories to put myself to sleep at night. Um, that's wow. how I get to myself to bed because to get all the worries and all the day out of my head, I would start telling myself stories. And so I've I've always had like 10 to 12 kind of go-to stories that I've continued throughout my life to tell myself as I go. Like an ongoing tale that's been going for years and just for you, f by you, for you? Uh-huh. Yeah. No kidding. That's like so no. wonderful. It's the Megan Bickle cinematic universe. It's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and a lot of times I'll take a, a concept and I just rewrite it. Like I, I feel like I never finish these tales. They, um, you know, I'll go back to the beginning and I'll change something and I, and I retell the story. Um, and is this just all just in your head? Are you, are you writing this down or is this just you for you? No, that's just in my head. No wow. kidding. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. I love yeah. this. Well, wh where did where did this story come from? The shared curse. Yeah. Like which um, which piece of that? Actually, this one was kind of interesting because it started out as a different contest. There was a contest um, by the writer store out in L.A. that they used to have that was called the Industry Insider, and they would post three log lines, um, and you would take one of those log lines and write the first fifteen pages of a script. Cool and you'd send that in and they'd go through all of their entries and they'd pick 10 people and those 10 people would then get a mentor for, I think it was 12 weeks, 10 weeks, something like that. Um, and the mentor would help coach you as you wrote the rest of the script. That's cool. And then the final product was turned in as the kind of final contest. Um, and so I started with the log line that they had provided for the contest, which was about an archaeologist discovering a curse that changed her life. Yeah. Um, wow. It was just real vague, kind of like that. And then um, I wrote, I, I was accepted as a finalist. I wrote with my mentor. I had a call with him every week. Um, and I turned in my script and I did not win. And I put it in a drawer. And then I went back to it probably about six months later. And I read it and I thought, I can't believe I wrote this. This does not sound like me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so like the concept, the like what the curse was and, you know, kind of the basic constructs of the plot I kept, but everything else I pitched. Um, I changed the personalities of the characters. I combined characters into one character. I rewrote the entire thing, you know, using the things that the mentor had taught me about screenwriting in the process, but this time without his voice kind of right in my ear mm -hmm. um, and steering the story in a way that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, so the original story that came out of the contest was very um, 
confrontational between the two women, the two main characters, Mia Mm -hmm. and Octavia. Mm -hmm. Um, Octavia was kind of an evil character. um, And Mia was a very meek and uh, uh, mousy sort of woman who Mm -hmm. didn't really stand up for herself. So um, I completely changed that. I ditched it and I wrote what I wanted to write. Yeah, because in this script that we've got for today, The Shared Curse, it's about Mia, who is an archaeologist, who is very much a do-it-yourself. There's a line that she has like more than once in the script, which is kind of a through line about uh, if you're a woman, you have to be able to do it yourself. Well, she says something like you need to be able to deal with what comes to you. I want to find the exact line right now. Yeah, Megan, you know which line we're talking about? Yeah, I think she says uh, a woman needs to be able to handle whatever's thrown at her. Yes. Like that. And yeah, then, because Octavia starts to say it too later right, on. Right, because she ends up sort of teaching Octavia in terms of how to be a human being because Octavia is this sort of goddess that's been trapped in a, a, a brooch for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And she so, shows up in the modern day and sort she was an alive person before. It wasn't like she's always been a goddess. She existed at one time, got trapped in this thing, and now she's here. Yeah. And Mia is sort of showing her how to how to exist in the world. Right. Plus there's yeah, like I've... these wishes attached to it where right. every time Mia makes a wish with this all powerful brooch that Octavia grants her, she becomes gold. Ultimately she'll be dead. She has twenty wishes to figure out her life. And there's kind of this race to the clock about getting through these wishes and getting everything righted back because, of course, there's been, like, big upset in the world since they found this correct terrible, powerful brooch. Yeah, so Mia's this, like, butt-kicking, like, I'm taking care of this, I don't need any help, leave me alone kind of gal, and Octi- Octavia is taking pages out of her book. Octavia isn't – there's a little bit of a – it's not really confrontational between the two of them, but once Octavia is starting to kind of get into the world, she very much starts taking pages out of Mia's book. So that's extremely different from the way you said that you initially wrote this. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, what I really wanted there to be was a sense of uh, relationship between these two women where they could teach each other something. And, um, you know, Mia's flaw is that she thinks she can literally do everything herself. Right. And Octavia's flaw is that she's constantly waiting for somebody else to come along and be her savior. So our, um, in being a woman in today's world, I think we all have both of those characteristics, but we have to balance them out in a way that, you know, allows us to be successful and make our way through. So if, you, if you've if you been reading The Iron Druid and then this shared curse script that you sent to us, how much do stories of mythology and, and, and in, that are in this vein, I mean, how much of that is your thing in terms of other, other pieces of writing that you've done? Um, almost all of my other writing is sci-fi or fantasy based in some way. Um, this is the only one that really kind of hits on mythology in that uh that hard. Um, I really love, I love mythology. I love theology. I love the systems of belief that we craft around our experiences in this life and, um, the different people who have different experiences, the different theologies and mythologies that come out of that are fascinating to me. Um, but I really, I was thinking about this the other day and I think that the real underlying theme for me is magic Mm. Um, in my life, in writing, I have it in there in some way. And I don't always mean like literal magic. I mean, um, the things that uh, astound us, that give us awe, that, you know, um, take our breath away. You know, I find my children are magic. Okay. My husband is I'm, magic. I just got to give you heartstrings right now because <laughs> I have literally been referring to baby Olive as like having a baby is just magic. It's just magic. It is. It's magic. <sighs> it is. 
it gives you goosebumps. You know, mm-hmm. I'm always looking for those things that, that give me goosebumps that really speak to something, um, in your experience. And you can actually point at it and be like, there, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And how old are your kids now? Um, I have an 11, a 13, and a 16-year-old boy. They're wow. all boys. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. seeing the evolution beyond just like that magical like baby sort of thing now in terms of like three different human beings that you've brought Made. into this world that are, have developed their own individual personalities. Yeah, that's got to be crazy. It is. And it's it's fantastic. I love it. Like it's it, it just blows me away that I, these kids make me laugh. They're hysterical. I love their senses of humor. I love what they find interesting. I think talking to them, I'm fascinated by what they're saying. Like the fact that these three young men are becoming people in front of my eyes every day, it just blows me away. It's just magic. Do they show up in your scripts as well? Mm. Um, they don't a whole lot uh, because... I already have a grip on that magic. <laughs> so, You're not exploring it because, through your art or anything. Right. <laughs> You've got right. plenty like, of dirty socks laying around the house. You're good. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I, I get them and I get to live them all the time. Yeah. So the stuff that I write is more stuff that um, I wouldn't get to live or that I wouldn't um, – you know, I had mentioned before that I'm a, a big introvert, so – a lot of my scripts explore relationships with peers because mm. I don't feel like I have a ton of those in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I don't go out and have all these, I don't have like a gaggle of girlfriends. I have one or two really close friends. So that kind of like interplay in that relationship is something that I really try to explore in my scripts just because I don't necessarily do it every day in my life. Did you learn anything new about yourself by writing about a female friendship relationship here? Um, I did learn that I did know more than I thought I did. Um, when I first set out to do it, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to write this because I don't, you know, I I do have, uh, you know, several best friends that I've had. I always say I, I collected one friend from each stage of my life. Like I have one friend from when I was really little and I have one friend from elementary school and I have one friend from high school. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've kept them along and I thought that maybe, my experience because they were limited were not as universal, but I found in writing this that they really do fit the kind of universal mold. Mm -hmm. And when I started sending the script out and people were like, I get that relationship. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I have that with this person that it was much more universal than I was giving, I think myself credit for. Yeah. I feel like, like we talk, Jack and I talk a bit about what it's like to make friends as a grown up, And, Mm. uh, you know, I, I do feel like here in Cincinnati, I personally am, really lucky to have a lot of really good friends but it's interesting how like cultivating them and how your experiences with your friends can be so special and so unique but at the same time like very relatable across the board Mm -hmm. there's just like this feeling people have towards friends that feels very similar across the board right and I think I was also trying to put more onto it than needed to be there like in my life like thinking well because I don't get to together with them all that often, it's not as meaningful or deep or whatever. And I realized how important those relationships are to me. Even if I don't talk to them, you know, for months at a time, I can still come back and, you know, they're a foundation in my life. There's something special there that's, uh, it transcends, you know, having to be in constant contact or, or whatever. Right. 
We oh, should probably get into the script. Yeah, let's read that yeah. bit. Why don't we? Um, Megan, we'll come back to you in just a few minutes because we want to share your words with our listeners by diving into a piece of your script here. Sounds good. Okay, so listeners, today we're going to be reading from the script pages 12 to 18. Uh, Frank here in the studio will be doing stage directions. I will be playing Mia, and Jack will be reading for Rakesh. Um, is Mia, is she white, Caucasian type? Um, that's a good question, Megan. Uh, do, any uh, racial, uh, other than Rakesh, who is seems to be some sort of maybe Indian by way of Great Britain, uh, culturally, any other specific things? Mia's clearly uh, uh, Italian in some way with Sulpizio. Oh, that's true. It, yeah, I, I just had that she was Italian. I used to have a big, long uh, monologue in there about her descendants through Italy. Oh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, nice. just Italian. Okay, so she's Itai for sure. If you, if you had a whole backstory there, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we, of course, on this show always like to specify when our characters are different than the people reading them. And of, Rakesh's name stands out to me just from in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. So we're just um, exploring a little bit some of their cultural differences, Mia and Rakesh, and reading pages 12 where they are getting down into... Um, kind of the underground caverns and tombs. Um, Mia is an archaeologist who is working on a big dig. Um, she's kind of getting into some things she's not supposed to be getting into. Because she's, she's been kicked off. She's been kicked off this, the dig. The lady yeah. who's been the bankroller of it Sylvia. has kicked her off. But Mia is very determined because she's got a, a sort of a personal stake in all this and she wants to see it through. So she's saying, to hell with the fact that I've been fired. I'm going to slip into this area after hours and check things out anyway. Right. And the piece that we're going to read, listeners, it is a short piece from a very awesome kind of action sequence that the very first time I read it, I kept falling further and further and further into the script in a way that I hadn't done in a long time. So yeah. um, totally check this out online. The script is amazing. Agreed. And Frank, whenever you're ready. Megan, just hang on with Take us. it away. All right. I also want to add that um, I'm going to be reading guard number one. Oh, oh yes. yes. Frank and I are playing the guards. Yes. And Jack is guard number two. It's like, do your funny voices for those. <laughs> I don't, I've been thinking about it. I don't yeah, know. And I don't really have funny voices either. You might be disappointed for guard number one. <laughs> I have never been disappointed in you, Frank. Yeah, Frank, you'll, you'll come up with a great voice for it. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. <laughs> I know. I was like, this pressure's eating him up now. I, ha- I have allergies. I don't think I can do a good voice for it. Today. Well, maybe so does guard number one. Yeah, okay. he's just make him just the mess dust, the hell the out of it. The sand is just getting in his nose. That's right. All right. Exterior, magistrate site, night. A couple of floodlights provide spotty illumination. Two guards walk through the area and sweep flashlights back and forth. They disappear down a path. Mia comes out from behind a stack of crates with a rope around her shoulder and a bag in her hand. She throws her bag in the back of a nearby open-top jeep. She pulls the journal out and tucks it in the back of her waistband. She grabs a flashlight from a nearby crate, secures the rope to the jeep's bumper, Clicks on the flashlight and uses the rope to drop down into the hole. Interior. Upper chamber. Night. Mia lowers herself into the chamber. She goes to the nearest symbol on the wall. She can barely contain her excitement. Vesta, goddess of the hearth. She moves her flashlight to the next symbol, reverent in her observations. Vulcan, god of fire. She reaches out, but stops short of caressing the next one. Minerva, goddess of wisdom. Mia whips the beam of light back onto the opening above her. Rakesh leans down to look at her. She hardens to all business. You gave me a heart attack. You. It's Rakesh. Whatever. 
Rakesh lowers himself into the chamber. You're nothing if not predictable. You don't know me. You're right, I'm sure. Why are you here? Professional curiosity and a personal need to stick it to the man. She shines the light into his face and considers him. The man being Miss Cassini. What she did to you, it wasn't right. Mia gives him a curt nod and turns her attention back to the chamber. She sweeps the light around the chamber to illuminate the symbols. Have you ever seen anything so perfect, beautifully preserved? Twelve gods in gender-balanced pairs. Mia pulls out and consults the journal. Ah, the infamous journal. Excuse me? It has been the subject of much speculation. Everyone wants to know why you have it. Dr. Martina was a legend, you know, and I... Mia snaps the journal shut and returns it to our waistband. The power of these twelve gods was harnessed to fuel the altar of answered prayers. Was the altar invisible? Mia stares at him. Well, do you see one? A murmur tumbles down from above them. Mia kills the light, and they move away from the opening. Did you see that? Exterior. Magistrate sight. The guards approach the opening. I think it was already there. I would have remembered. Interior. Upper chamber. Rakesh pushes himself up against the wall. He bumps into a symbol. A small section of the symbol falls off the wall and into the dirt. Interior. Magistrate. Sight. Thunder shakes the sky. Lightning strikes the ground inches from the chamber opening. The heavens open up and rain falls in sheets. The guards run for it. Interior, upper chamber. Mia watches the rain fall down through the opening. You've angered Jupiter. Pardon? Jupiter, the god of the sky and storms, you defaced his symbol. She points the symbol behind Rakesh and to the rain. Is that your expert opinion as a scientist? It's a hypothesis based on initial evidence. Mia throws her flashlight at him. He catches it, barely. I am a scientist, you know. We're not known for our ability to catch objects thrown at us. Aim here, Rahesh. She kneels down to where the rain hits the dirt floor. Rakesh does as directed. It's Rakesh, in fact. Mia pushes mud aside to reveal a stone floor beneath. She moves deeper into the chamber and kicks dirt aside every few feet so she can follow the stone. Rakesh trails after her. When they pass the halfway point of the room, the floor rumbles. Like a teeter-totter, the floor tips. The side closest to the opening rises, and the side Mia and Rakesh stand on sinks. The angle becomes too much. Mia and Rakesh fall and slide back towards the wall. A gap opens between the wall and the floor. Rakesh drops the flashlight as he flails around for something to grip. Mia grabs the flashlight as it slides past her. That's our only light! Mia extends her legs straight out and braces herself between the floor and the wall, her midsection suspended over the gap. Rakesh manages to get one foot on the far wall, He struggles to adjust and get a good grip. Mia looks from the opening to the dark abyss below her. Move! What? Where? Mia points the flashlight beam past Rakesh to the right-hand wall. It illuminates a platform four feet below the tilted floor. What do I look like to you? Move or fall? Well, if you put it that way. Rakesh walks sideways on the back wall. He shimmies towards the platform with Mia close behind him. They reach the end of the platform and drop down to it. How do we get out? Mia uses the flashlight beam to point out gaps chipped out of the stones up one side. Hand holds. Rakesh takes the flashlight from her and illustrates. They're eight feet from the opening. How do we get from there to the rope without sliding back down? Mia grabs the light back from him. She finds a stone that protrudes from the wall, which holds the floor in a locked, tilted-down position. If I retract the stone, the floor should go back down. Brilliant. Retract the stone. Mia pushes on the stone. It doesn't budge. She consults the journal. Rakesh looks over her shoulder. What does the good Dr. Martino have to say about this? That the goddesses demand a male sacrifice. Very funny. Mia puts the journal away again. They are at the top of the exaggerated staircase. Each stair stretches two feet high. 
The flashlight beam reflects off something far below. Gold. She hops down the first step. Wrong way. Maybe it's something that can help. This place doesn't seem designed for helpfulness. He follows her. End scene. It's hard to end there because this is such an exciting like piece upon piece upon piece upon piece sequence. But but we can't just read 20 pages of the script because they're awesome or else that's what the show would be is just reading scripts. <laughs> this is right when everything really gets going, Megan. What was it like for you? I mean, did you get excited as you were writing? Because this is yeah. an extremely fast-paced script. Yeah. Did you find yourself at some point as you were writing it getting caught up in how fast everything was going? Oh, absolutely. I... I... I felt like at times I was I was writing faster than my brain was working mm. um, and I had to keep stopping and I would have to like write out little diagrams of where people were and what was happening because I'd get lost. <laughs> well, your thoroughness, it shows up in the script too because reading it, I never got lost. I was able to piece where they were going and who was there and, and really, really track what was happening and you just illustrated it beautifully in your writing here. Oh, thank you. That was the result of a lot of very patient beta readers as well. My (laughs) sisters, um, I call them my my plot hole finders. (laughs) They they read my work and they tell me when things don't make sense. All good sisters are able to point out your flaws. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I have I have three sisters, so that's why I say that. (laughs) Well, you talked about how you this this script went through a few permutations, and one of the things that I just jotted down when you were speaking early on was because I I think that because it was maybe so different the way it started versus what you sent us, that's why it's so efficient because you've had the time to take things and winnow them down and really find what works and 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 play that up yeah absolutely and also because i had written it so many times there's you know i probably have a collection of 50 scenes from this movie in my head that didn't make it to the page so if it made it to the page you know it it had to earn its way there and i had to really make sure that it was worth the page space uh to put it in how did you decide what the story ultimately was going to be about then um I knew that I wanted to do um, one of the first questions that my mentor asked me when I started to write the story was what um, what I wanted to explore. And the thing that I really wanted to explore was that kind of female relationship and, and being able to teach each other something along the way. So um, but to me, that that thesis, if you will, sounded really boring. <laughs> um, so. I I needed a way to jazz it up and to make it exciting for me because to just kind of explore uh, a female relationship, you know, there's a million movies out there that do that. And in order to make it me and to make it exciting, I I needed it to move fast and I needed it to, to have an action element to it. And I needed it to have the magic element to it in order to keep my interest going along with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, so like, let me just say up front, I don't feel comfortable trying to define necessarily what a feminist or, you know, at least a script that highlights feminist issues should be or could be. What I could tell when I read it was, I, I think that there are a lot of, let's say feminist issues or at least there, there's feminist themes in the script, but I think that you you tackle them in a situational way instead of in an idealistic way. It's it, everything that plays out as far as me as a strong woman and Octavia has come to where she's come from and Sylvia has too. It all sort of plays out in a practical way as opposed to somebody just like spouting what they think things should be. Does that right. make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cause I, and you know, that might be a, a nice side effect of my 
the religious studies side of me is so much of that is just spouting off about what things should be and how they should be, um, that I don't have patience for that. Um, and I, I don't want to have preachy, uh, screenplays. I don't want to tell preachy stories. I, I want people to be able to kind of glean those things after the fact. And at the end of it, you've been along for this fun ride and you're like, Oh, you know, that kind of, that brought up this issue or yeah. that issue. And I didn't really think of it at the time, but you know, at the end it kind of comes through. Well, you do actually have three really strong women in this story. We have Octavia, who is like a goddess from hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. We have Mia, the main character. And then we also have Sylvia. And uh, how how did you feel about pitting kind of a female protagonist against your female antagonist as well? Um, I wanted to explore that as well because I think a lot of times if you have like a kind of feminist um, – uh, theme that you're working towards, it's too easy to make the bad guy the man. Um, and to say that, you know, if we just could get these men in line, everything would be great. <laughs> right. It's, um, there's so much more going on in the, that dynamic and the relationships that we encounter every day. And I hadn't seen a whole, I, there's just not a whole lot of really good female protagonists against female antagonists. Um, and it was something that I kind of wanted to be able to uh, put into here. And and when I figured out what Sylvia's um, – I, I guess I should say that I have a really hard time with villains and not making them sound like um, comic book villains, right. like twirling their mustaches. Right. Um, <laughs> like that's a so, real problem for you that people are like, I don't know about <laughs> this villain. He's got a really funny mustache. Yeah, welcome <laughs> to the trap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because I'm a big um, comic book person and I, you know, I love all the sci-fi and the Star Trek and the Star Wars and all that sort of stuff. And part of the problems with a lot of that um, is you wind up with very comic-y villains. Um, And so I knew that I needed something really grounded in order to make Sylvia not come off as like a caricature of a villain. So um, her twins, her her twins. Yeah. Yeah. there's um, a line in, I think it's the BBC Sherlock or something like that, where they say love is a much more powerful motivator. Um, mm, and yeah. so I, I didn't want my villain to be powered by money or power or, you know, that sort of greed. I wanted there to be something uh, of love in the background. And to me, that automatically, um, just because of my own experience, I could, well, what's the greatest love I know by as a mother to my children? Um, that could motivate me to do some pretty crazy crap. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, because you've got I went with. you've got a very specific motivation for Sylvia to be kind of chasing after Mia and trying to undo. Yeah, like, why would she keep doing this? Why right. would she so fervently, absolutely need everything to change back in her favor? Right, and then it slowly comes out that there are her children involved. Right. Because throughout the course of the script, Mia is sort of making these casual wishes that Octavia is fulfilling, and it takes Mia a little while to figure out what it's all about. But at one point, early on, Mia essentially steals Sylvia's life, and from there Everything. on out, Sylvia's chasing after her, and it isn't until way later that we figure out the reason she's doing it is because not only has Mia taken her name and her business and her bank account, but also her husband and her kids. Ex-husband. Ex-husband and Ex-husband her kids. Ex-husband yeah. and, her, and her children. And, yeah. it, and what I love, again, is that this isn't like thrown in our face it's it's through persistent action yes that finally it burst out of somebody's mouth the children and you go 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I get it. It all makes a lot more sense because you don't have just a kooky, crazy villain trying to get their right. money back. Money, 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 money. <laughs> but somebody who, who really has heart and soul who is losing the thing that they might love the most. Right. Megan, let me ask you this. You one of the other things that you came up in this script with. So Mia has this 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 Octavia woman who's I mean, they at one point they sort of compare her to a genie, but they also shoot that down because she was a regular woman at one point. But she's also doing a ton of wish fulfillment for Mia. And that comes with some specific consequences where there's this gold sort of <laughs> stuff that starts developing on Mia's fingertips and it's growing. The more wishes that she makes, the more covered in gold she's getting, to the point where if she makes too many, she'll be covered in in it and she will die it's a there's a finite amount of like juice that she can squeeze out of this orange so to speak was it w- what were the challenges for you as far as coming up with the rules of magic in this world and the fact that they have consequences um the biggest problem with writing magic in any sense in screenplays to me is closing doors uh, to be able to hem in the magic so that it makes sense and the audience knows the rules and can play along with you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, inherently with magic, you know, it's sometimes you just go, well, it's magic. You don't have to have an explanation or you don't have to have a rule. That's the beauty of it. But um, to just have every possibility laid out there open for anything to happen, you could never get to a story. You could never satisfactorily get to an ending. Um, so I needed to have very concrete rules and, um, the, the, the hardest part of this particular way I, I, I did this is I, um, I had the brooch kind of invading Mia's body, uh, a certain, to a certain degree for each wish. So I actually had to have a chart of, you know, wish number one, the brooch latches onto the skin, mm-hmm. wish number two, the brooch circles around the collarbone on the left side, Rich wish number three, like I had a, a very, um, prescribed way to make sure that it all made sense. It was symmetrical. It went down her body on both sides, you know, did the right arm and then it went back and did the left arm or whatever. Um, in order to have, make sure that all my doors were closed so that Mm -hmm. by the end of it, people would buy into the fact that, yeah, she only has this amount of time. It's finite and, and you can play along. And that's another way to raise the stakes, too, because now there's there's that much more riding on this mission that Mia's on, is that she's it's a race against her own mortality, too, in addition to fixing the world. Yeah, and having um, having the ticking clock, having the, the stakes being raised all the time is something I try really hard to put into my scripts because I am inherently a non-high-stakes person, <laughs> a very kind of uh, even-keeled I don't want to have a lot of drama in my real life sort of person. So um, I have to work really hard at getting those uh, the ticking clock and the and the stakes into the script. And um, it, it's it's kind of a fun challenge for me uh, to be able to find ways to to keep upping the ante in this in the script. I think you can feel it. I think that I completely agree. There's a rhythm and like the idea of a ticking clock. I think you can feel it pretty much right from jump in this script. Right. I mean, this everything just flies mm-hmm. in a way that I haven't seen in a script in a long time. Agreed. It flies. And how much you accomplish in such a short amount of time and how you contain the story in such a beautiful little globe of this script is just like 
completely it's it's so impressive and Great. i i can't applaud you enough for the work that you've done on this script thank you so much <laughs> i'm really glad that we don't have the little video camera going on this skype call because <laughs> you're welcome like such a dork. yeah we're glad too because jack's here naked <laughs> We promise we weren't going to bring that up. It's one of the. It's 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 just war. It's unseasonably hot out. What do you want from me? Uh, Megan, do you have production plans with this script? Is is there anything hot and happening with it? It's of course a big big story. So I'm I'm just not sure where you are with it. Yeah, it, it's a big story, and um, part of the uh, other contest that this was entered in is they gave me a a professional write up um, uh, treatment from somebody who's working in Hollywood and they have guesstimated that the script would take about $20 million to make. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's kind of a pipe dream at this point. It's just Um, waiting. It's It's just waiting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just waiting. Right. It's, it's one of those things that I feel like it's, I I like to use it as a calling card sort of script of showing what I can do. Um, especially because it came from somebody else's, basic idea of the log line, you know, and being able to write to what a producer might want um, and is looking for. Um, so I, I'm kind of using it in that capacity at the moment. Um, and, you know, maybe someday yeah. somebody has $20 million they want to plop down. Well, I hope they do. Well, and you know, I would think too, if nothing else, like there's a way, is there, is there a way to like, you know, you've got this written and you get it in front of like some agents or whatever. And like, they see, oh, this is what she can do. Hey, how about this other, now that we know you can do this, how about this other job that we could also put you in because we know you can already do this big thing. Is that, right. does that make that's, sense? Yeah, that's totally what I'm hoping for. I've I tried to write my scripts, um, as I've been learning to write screenplays, uh, my goal has been to, um, really just write what I love because, and, and not worry about the budget so much because I want to be able to have the freedom to, um, put everything out on the table that I want to. And then that should be able to show what I'm capable of doing. And hopefully that, you know, would be able to get me work down the road. Yeah. So if anybody's interested in getting in touch with you, how can we get somebody to get in touch with you to give you $20 million to make this script? (laughs) Uh, well, I'm very easy to find on Twitter. It's at Megan K. Bickle. Um, I'm on there a lot. Karen? And Kate? Kristen? Uh, <laughs> Kathleen. Kathleen! Mm. Uh, Think more Irish. You were getting there. Oh my gosh. I should have guessed that first. <laughs> well, now I know. <laughs> um, yep. And then also my email is just mkbickle at gmail.com. That's so great, and we'll definitely have links uh, to communicate with you on that, along with your script itself on scriptshopshow.com. Megan, thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking with us about this beautiful script today. Thank you for sending it to us. Thank you for coming to the film festival. partying with us at the Sendependent Film Festival. Come back next year so that we can hang out again. Yeah, write something else to send it in. Absolutely. I had a blast. (laughs) That's awesome. Megan, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. That was great. Seriously, we really, I, we, I don't think we really got into enough about how there's this so script, much in it. It moves. It and moves. there's, like, like, one of the things I think is so hard in scripts is the idea of dialogue that's exposition that doesn't feel like exposition. Right. Well, the exposition of this script starts out with a conflict. Yes. There's like a conflict. And within the argument, it really reveals where we are and what's happening and the relationships and the power struggle and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's never like just put out there, it's two characters in the middle of something yep. 
And it comes out because of that. And it, 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 it's to further so the story along as opposed to be like, hey, this is a thing you need to know about. But yeah. it, it, things just keep moving and they go and they go and they go. And at no point does the speed of the script feel like it takes away from understanding who these characters are right from the get go. Right. It's really it's really I remarkable. It. I love it. It's, I love it. I love it. If you feel like you've written something remarkable that Allison would love. Love it. You have some options to uh, get that to us. You can go on to filmfreeway.com and look up Script Shop, and you can send it to us that way. We are also uh, taking your submissions on scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And again, we mentioned this before. If you want to, say, get your stuff to like a like a, a fast pass kind of option. Just send us some burritos. <laughs> is that what this has <laughs> evolved this into is, now? It's not so much about words as it is actual practical food. <laughs> That's so funny. I would love if somebody would just send us a bag of Taco Bell. Oh, my God. Gosh, yeah, that'd be great. But if you want to just use words and keep it simple, because why wouldn't you? Uh, contact us either over Twitter or Facebook and say, "Hey, I just submitted my such and such work to Script Shop Show." Hashtag Hot Burrito. And we'll that will we will notice that, and we will uh, prioritize reading your stuff. Yes. Versus all the wonderful people that have already sent us stuff that maybe aren't listening to the show. <laughs> Whoa, that's right. Oh, that's why we're doing this, right? Because if you yes, listen to the show and you, you want to send know, us some stuff, then we you could would get yours and we could prioritize because you're. It's give and take here, right? It's a reward for listening yes. to us because we yeah. really appreciate that. Well, we do. We, all three of us here in the studio, make time all the time mm-hmm. to work on the show. So, God damn it, give us your scripts and hashtag them. If you're maybe not so much of a writer type, but you do enjoy listening to the show and you want to, say, leave us a review on iTunes, we would appreciate that as well. And there's a multitude of ways online yes. to connect with us. You can do that via Facebook, Instagram. Um, well, I guess you can't leave reviews on Instagram, but Facebook and iTunes, you can leave reviews. Well, you can leave like a review of like, that was a cool picture. <laughs> like, that's an option, right? I guess that's technically a review, but if you're on Twitter, it's called a comment. You know, That's right. No big deal. So, but you can talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm your bestie, Westy. And I'm at Script Shop Jack on Twitter. And we are at Script Shop Show, which I think technically you run... Well, you don't need to tell anybody that. One. And oh. technically Frank runs the Facebook and Instagram, right? That's true. Okay, cool. And uh, also, uh, if you have some buccarinos that you are have, I some, love Renos. We who doesn't love a good Reno? We love buccarinos. Buccarinis is another one that I love, and buccarunos. <laughs> this is all you now. I got, I got Roonies. You got to send those to us via Patreon. So, Dad, if you're listening, this is a specific appeal me. right now. Oh boy, Frank, anything, Dad? No, he's shaking his head. He's no. shaking his head. No. Okay. All right, listeners. Until next week. That's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.